If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Boom! UFC 283. Blake Schneider's here with John Ramakan, my man, my partner in crime, the most, the most mystical person I've ever met, but also the most handsome man I have ever had the privilege of doing a show with. My man, John, what is going on? Hey, we are chilling, man. We just got through the first pay-per-view of 2023. It was a good one and a, quite an eventful one down there in Brazil. Two new champions crowned. Can't ask for a much better night. Cannot ask for something better than that. And and I'll tell you what, man, this card. So today, look, let's just for all the fans, let's just kind of encapsulate the entire day. For me, I know, John, unfortunately, uh, I, I know that you're not necessarily um, uh, a giant Tampa Bay fan, even though you do live in Florida. I know you're not also a Miami Dolphins fan. So your Giants were on the line tonight for football. And we're not going to talk football the whole time, but I want to get a quick recap real quick. Giants, unfortunately, kind of laid a big old fat fucking egg today, didn't they? Yeah, a little bit of a tough one. But honestly, just to look back on the entire season for the Giants, it was unexpected for us to get to this far anyways. Three teams in the NFC East making it to the playoffs, you know, and I think the Giants were able to make it. So good year for Brian Dable's first year. And, uh, you know, I'm still happy that we made it this far, even though we got waxed by the Eagles, who I hate. Yeah, I can only imagine New York fans hating the Philly fans. Yeah, no, as you can see, I am repping Kansas City today because I am in Kansas City. John's in Florida. We're doing this thing coast to coast. I guess I'm not on the coast. I'm just in the middle of the Midwest. So, um, but no, so uh, my my, uh, my team did well. But we're going to jump right into it. UFC card 283, first pay-per-view fight of the year. And I don't think you could have asked for a better fucking first pay-per-view fight man i mean from start to finish there was 15 fights on this card 15 brazilian fighters because you know they had to throw it down for rio de janeiro and man i i I, honestly john i don't even know where to start obviously we're gonna have to talk about i think we have to start with the glover to share jamal hill fight um but this whole list was a litany of people that were just from top to bottom fantastic but um, yeah, no, we're just going to start off right with the big banger. Uh, Glover Teixeira, 43 years old, fighting 31-year-old Jamal Hill. This was for the vacant light heavyweight title fight. Uh, Glover Teixeira came in. I, I know, obviously, the, the Jiri Prohaskas has been injured. Um, Jan Blahowitz and Ankalaev ended in a draw, so not everybody, you know, it kind of ended in, in such a weird main event that it the title was a draw like that it was a vacant title so nobody had it and they didn't choose to run that back they said you know what next up Glover Teixeira who earned that title I believe he basically had Jerry Bohaska's dead to rights that entire that entire fight and then at the last second with 28 seconds left Jerry was able to slip in a rear naked choke was able to get the win um and, and you know able to solidify himself so coming into the night Pro, or uh, uh Teixeira in Brazil, in front of his home fans. I mean, the, the crowd was crazy. I don't know if anybody got to watch the uh, – was able to hear the crowd noise, but it was fantastic. It was such a good fight. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that fight was going five rounds. Definitely not going to a finish. And it went all 25 minutes. 25 minutes of brutal fighting everywhere from 
Jamal Hill just landing a significant amount of strikes, breaking the record for the light heavyweight and being able to say, hey, listen, I'm coming here. I'm going to do damage. Yeah, you're Glover Teixeira. Yeah, you're a legend. Yeah, you've beat the who's who of light heavyweights in this game. I don't care. I'm coming in swinging and banging, baby. And he did fantastic. Glover Teixeira, on the other hand, 43 years old. He's basically the Tom Brady of the NBA or the, of the UFC. Um, you know, obviously, you know, not quite as many championships as Tom Brady, but I mean, Glover Teixeira did not let up for 25 freaking minutes. John, give me your freaking thoughts, man. You're muted. John, you're muted. You muted yourself. Did I mute you? Nope, you I muted myself. You're right. Yes. No, what a main event. Um, first <coughs> of all, just, you know, congratulations to Jamal Hill for him to break through. You know, this wasn't a moment that was expected to come for him, especially, you know, with the way the last title ended, you expected maybe Uncle Live to get the winner for there to be a more decisive winner of that last main event. So like you said, Teixeira and Jamal Hill coming in as kind of like a makeshift main event for them to fill a title gap. But what a, what a fight, right? Jamal Hill showed his evolution. We thought that Glover Teixeira was going to be able to easily take down Jamal Hill, right? We saw Paul Craig be able to do it. So we didn't really have much of a reason to doubt why, you know, over five rounds, Teixeira was going to be able to grind him down. No, Jamal Hill showed excellent takedown defense throughout the entire fight. And even in the fifth round, when Glover Teixeira got a Hail Mary takedown and was able to get in mount, Jamal Hill was able to reverse position, get on top, finish the round, and with a minute to go, just get up, allow Teixeira to get up. And essentially just walked into a title championship, right? So what a good, you know, what a good fight overall. You know, statistically speaking, like you said, this was a great fight for Jamal Hill. Significant strikes total, 232 landed for Jamal Hill, 180 to the head alone. So he was absolutely beating up Glover Teixeira. And, you know, it was a great fight. It was a great main event. And Glover Teixeira, well-deserved retirement. He was able to finally break through and get his championship win, you know, a little bit ago. Not able to get it done tonight, but nothing to hang his head on. He has a protege in Alex Pereira that he's going to be able to work with moving forward, and I think it's going to be uh, just going to be a good career for him moving forward. No, like you said, I mean, I mean, we had two fantastic retirements tonight. It's sad, bittersweet, I guess, in both the retirements, unfortunately, and, and unfortunately that's how retirement fights tend to go, uh, and we'll get to those later. But no, wasn't that a sneaky little slip by Jamal Hill in the fifth round when Glover Teixeira had him in full mount, and he was able to somehow, just with pure athleticism, be able to slip his way underneath the tush of Glover Teixeira in, in the most dominant position you can really get in UFC, and was able to get, I mean, so many times throughout this fight, Jamal Hill, just when you think, oh, Glover, this is where Glover's experience this is where glover's skill is going to take over jamal was somehow able to counter and that really just goes to speak to the evolution of jamal hill i mean this guy coming from the streets of chicago i mean you heard him you saw how emotional he was if, if you guys did not get a chance to see the fights um i mean jamal hill was elated with emotion not only was he ecstatic of course but i mean letting out battle cries of just ah but he was also crying. I mean, the guy was so overwhelmed with emotion seeing how far he's come, how far his development has, has gotten him, and how well he was able to perform. A lot of people were talking shit. A lot of people, a, a lot of fans thought, oh, Jamal Hill's a, a swanger and banger, but he's going to gas out. He's not going to be able to go the full five rounds. 25 minutes, and, and you know this, John, a, 
a lot of fighters, when they get into that fourth and fifth round, it is a totally different ball game. Unless you're an experienced vet or somebody who's done this quite a bit, you are going to gas. And Jamal came in, and and if I'm understanding DC correctly and John Anik correctly, I don't think Jamal Hill even had a five-round fight camp from what they said. They said he only actually had a three-round a three fight camp mentality uh, and didn't actually get a full five-round fight camp. I'm not exactly sure what that means in the training aspect. I'm not sure how you gauge that uh, from an announcer's uh, standpoint. But, man, Jamal Hill put the UFC on freaking notice, my man. He came out and he – like. What what was the number? 238, I believe. 238. 232, sorry. 232. Either way, it's fucking ridiculous. Come out and you set a record for light heavyweights. And you're talking legends. You're talking guys like Forrest Griffin. You're talking Leota Machida. You're talking Chuck Liddell, uh, Alistair Overeem. Light heavyweights who have been in this game. John Jones. Ages. John Jones. And you come out in your very first championship of attempt. Not only take the belt from a man who's basically the Tom Brady of, uh, uh, you know, as far as age goes in the light heavyweight division, but you take a, a championship belt from a guy who, in all respect, earned that thing. Former championship, former champion himself, but came in and was able to put on an absolute clinic. And even though he landed 232 strikes, at the end of the day, you still thought Glover was in this freaking fight. You thought he was still in it. I thought he was in it, especially when he got him in mount. I'm like, okay, Glover, this is your chance. This is ride or die right here. This is the moment. And Jamal Hill, every single time, was able to wiggle his way out, use his athleticism, use his just straight grit to get out of this, um, you know, tumultuous situations that he put himself in and ended up becoming the champion. Either way, Glover Teixeira retires at the end of it. It was a phenomenal fight. I was jacked. I was jacked in the tits, John. I was freaking, yeah. I was I was so excited this whole time. And I'm over here biting my finger like, oh, 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 he's got him. He's got him. No, it, the whole time, I mean, it was back and forth and back and forth. And I feel like that's the kind of fights Glover has been in the past couple times where you're just like, man, this guy does not quit. Yeah, it's one of those things where he's like, no matter what you hit him with, He's just not willing to go down. And we saw that twice tonight, and we'll get to that with the Lori Murphy fight. But he just was continuing to bite on his mouthpiece and continuing to fight, right? Even in the third round, when he ate the high kick and he stumbled and he fell on the ground, every time Mark Goddard or the, whoever the referee was asked him to you know, fight back, he said you know, he, was, he was fighting back. And even Jamal Hill, post-fight, was like, hey, he was fighting back. Like Even towards the end. He was landing punches on Jamal Hill. We always thought that in this fight, no matter what, Glover had like a shot. And if it was rather, you know, hitting that knockout punch or getting that takedown, we always thought that Glover was in this fight. So credit to Jamal Hill for lasting all five rounds when he was expected to fight Anthony Smith for three rounds, coming in, stepping up, winning the title, setting a record and doing all these things in just short notice against a champion you know, who's fighting in his hometown and this being his last fight. So, you know, all credit to Jamal Hale and all respect to Glover Teixeira going out in his hometown. Obviously, we're focusing a lot on the the main card or the main fight of the evening. Um, I mean, this entire card from top to bottom was fantastic. We had knockouts after submissions, after knockouts, after great decisions. We had some fights that went to decisions that, excuse me, uh, that, I mean, 
even the fights that went to decisions, you're like, man, that was a hell of a fight. Hell, the Jamal and Zashira went to decision. Nobody got knocked out, and that was a fight where everybody was like, man, that was a knockdown, drag out, just blood, pools of blood. I mean, if you saw Tashera's eye, uh, 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 eyebrow, it was hanging. I mean, that thing was hanging. He was covered in blood. Jamal had some blood at times. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, as he was on the ground while Danny Cormier was interviewing him, all of a sudden he says, well, what do you think about me now? And blood starts pouring out of his eye as he said that. I was like, well, that's a per- picture-perfect moment right there. Uh, so, I mean, this whole card was was stand out. But, no, that fight to end the night after the litany of fights that we had seen, that was just amazing. I mean, it, you know, uh, shout out to Dave here in the in the comments. Who's next for Jamal Hill? Now that he's the right, now that he is the champ, now that he's sitting on top of the hill, sitting pretty, sitting where he wanted to get to this entire time, what's next for Jamal? I think you go with Ankolaev, right? I think um, probably Prohaska is still going to have to heal up a little bit more. He, you know, he did tweet out and said that, you know, I am coming towards Jamal Hill. So maybe that's, you know, an insinuation that he's going to be coming back. But I do think that that's maybe a little more down the line. I think Ankolaev won the fight against uh, Jan, you know, uh, Blahovic. Really? So um, I think maybe you give Ankolaev that fight. Or, you know, maybe you'll, you'll see one of those two guys. But I think it's going to be either Jan Blahovic or Ankolaev. We did maybe hear about Pereira coming up to 205. So that's maybe something that's being teased as well. But I think maybe the more two likely options would be Blahovic or Ankolaev. See, I could see... I could see the Ankalaev thing only because he obviously fought for the title and it was ended in a draw between him and Blahowitz. I actually had Blahowitz in that fight. I thought he was doing more damage. I know that's not how they necessarily score these fights, but just as a spectator view and a spectator scoring, very unprofessional. Um, I actually had Blahowitz uh, for most of that fight. I thought Uncle I thought Blahowitz had the first three. Ankalaev had the last two. I don't think three beats two unless my math is wrong. John, check me on that. No, you're definitely right. <laughs> okay. Um, you know who I could see, though, and, and I think somebody who did get snubbed in this, I think a great fight would be Jamal Hill, Anthony Smith. What do you think? I mean, it's just tough for me to put Anthony Smith above those guys, right? Sure, that was going to be the fight that it was, it was originally set up. But at the end of the day, Jamal Hill was a number seven ranked guy stepping up to make this fight happen, kind of, kind of on short notice because of what situation happened. You know, Anthony Smith, you know, he's definitely he's a veteran. Six. Anthony Smith who's sitting at number six, who's not, you know, who's ahead of Jamal. Correct, you know, but he's still somebody who, like, you know, he's lost from the top of the hill, beat some guys, built himself back up, but I don't think he deserves a shot over the two previous guys mentioned. Okay, I I, I can understand the argument. Obviously, that's why we're here. Me and John are going to give you both sides of the take either way. Um, I'm going to go right down the line, uh, right to the, the fight right before the co-main event, Divison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. So Brandon Moreno was a guy that, I mean, these two fighters, I mean, I don't know how many times we've had a four-peat of fights I mean, everybody's obviously clamoring for uh, Diaz-McGregor 3. You know what I mean? So, like, everybody's wanting that remake of a fight. We got Divison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno 4. We had Moreno with a win, Figueredo, who was the current champ with a win, and a straight draw in the middle. 
I personally had Moreno in that one. Maybe I'm a little biased on that. I know that's not our job to be uh, biased as an, as analysts, but you know, well, fuck it. This is our show. We can do what we want. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but no, I this was a a a winner take all because there was three fights and there was a draw in the middle. This left the door open. I think Figueredo thought he got poked in the eye. He was holding the wrong eye if he was getting poked because the eye that he was holding was the eye that he got absolutely socked in by a left by Moreno. Um, Moreno was a guy who actually was training in Tijuana for quite a while. He moved his camp up to Kansas City to train with James Krause in Glory MMA. He had I actually got to go out and personally watch him train, got to watch him roll, got to watch him spar. Um, in practice. So that was actually a pretty cool thing for me to get to, to see the champ in person. But he comes out, gets the win over Figueredo in a match that went differently than a lot of people thought. I think a lot of people thought this match was going to be, again, another battle, another war, striking match left and right. Um, it didn't end that way. Moreno went with a different tactic. He said, I think my wrestling is better than Figueredo's. I'm going to go ahead and try to take him down, use top control, land strikes where I can. And he was able to do that for the first two rounds. Um, what did you see in this fight that stuck out to you? And what did you think about the decision? Did you think there was an eye poke? Um, kind of give me all your, your, your whole, uh, you know, your whole synopsis. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't an eye poke, right? Like you said, the one that the finger or the, you know, that palmed him in the face was the opposite side. It was that left cook that really caught him. And maybe, you know, when he was bringing that glove back, they know sometimes the glove catches the eye as well. So that maybe it could be something that's, added to the effect of that punch hitting that eye but it was a punch that put him down but what really i noticed in this fight was just the composure and the pace that moreno was able to maintain like it was moreno's pace the entire fight no matter you know what figueredo was throwing he was quick to get that takedown on the first round and even though moreno or even though figueredo was able to get the guillotine he was able to get on the opposite side so he was essentially off of the pressure and he was really working on in my opinion just taxing the gas tank of Figueredo as mm-hmm. much as he could early so if those later rounds did occur he would be a benefit but really what it played out to be is just he dominated in those first three rounds there was a little bit of time and maybe in that I think the third round or in that no it was the second round where Figueredo jumped that guillotine and it was it looked like it was pretty tight yes but Moreno was able to get out of that and you know, finished out the round pretty well. So I had Moreno winning all three rounds. It showed that he was able to take away and learn from the first three fights more than Figueredo was. And then like you said, or like we were saying, or that Figueredo said, 135 is the move for him. I think he's depleting himself a little too much making it to this one. I don't know if he's going to be able to, to be a champ in such a deep division up at 135, but I do think it'll be a little bit easier of a cut. And I think Brandon Moreno um, is now going to have a little bit more, a um, little more, more challengers coming up now. First, I want to talk about Brandon Moreno. Then I'm going to go over to Figueredo and his jump up to 135. Brandon Moreno, I mean, what can you say about that kid? He goes into the heart of Brazil as a Mexican. They're pelting him with popcorn and ice and drinks as he's leaving, walking out of the tunnel. Um, and, you know, shout out to Glover Teixeira. After the whole Jamal Hill fight, he said, listen, I know you guys did that to uh figure uh to moreno um i don't want you guys to do that to jamal hill i want you guys to respect this man he won this fight fair and square don't do that so you know what huge shout out sportsmanship to to glover to and just always a class act always a class act just like you said john i mean the guy the guy comes in like i said 43 years old ends up retiring in the ring we're gonna get to some of those later 
and just puts on an absolute masterclass of not only skill and heart, but also sportsmanship. And I think that's one of the biggest things that um, kind of always warms my heart when you watch these fights is, is at the end of the day, after these guys just fought, tried to punch the other person into the oblivion, into the abyss, into the stratosphere, that they go ahead and say, listen, I know we just fought for the last, you know, 15, 25 minutes, and we were trying to gouge each other, kill each other, do it, you know, the whole bit, not literally kill, but you know what I mean. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're like, you know what, we're going to shake hands and be men about this, and I respect you as a goddamn man. And that's exactly what he did. But you didn't get that same thing with uh, with Figueredo and Moreno. They did not like Moreno. and Maybe that's a whole Brazil-Mexican beef. I don't know about that. That's not my territory. As you can see, I'm pale as the winter snow. Uh, so, <laughs> But, uh, no, I thought that entire thing was, was pretty crazy and also kind of cool. At the same time, I was like, you know what, Moreno? I'd wear that as a badge of honor. They did not want you there. You came into their city, faced their guy, and beat him. You beat him. I mean, I don't want to say it was handedly, John, but he beat Divis and Vigoredo in every aspect of the game. And, yeah, anybody who who thinks it was a, a cheat or an eye poke or anything like that, first off, you held the wrong eye. So if, if that's the case, you're a horrible actor, Vigoredo. All the respect to Divison Figueredo, but Brandon Moreno came in with a game plan, executed it to the top tier 100%, and knocked it out of the park. So as he's getting pelted on the way out, I'm sure he's feeling like, man, they hate me and I won. How awesome does that feel? That's like when that's like when people are throwing, you know, chucking ice cubes at MJ when he's winning on the on the home court versus the Pistons in Detroit, you know, like the bad boys of basketball. That is probably such a prime feeling. I bet David, I, I bet Moreno's going home tonight thinking, We're gonna have a good night. We're gonna go party. I'd love to be wherever that party's at. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he was running out and he was smiling, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is something I just thought about. Brazil, 0, and 0 for 8 on rounds tonight, like, for championship fights. Like, yeah. uh, they did not win a championship fight round tonight, which was pretty crazy just to think about. But, um, yeah, I think Moreno, like, when he was running out, they had people guarding him and he was laughing about it. And I think we all know and love the character that Brandon Moreno is. And that's yeah. what makes us part of why we're such big fans of his. Uh, was the that he is going to take assassin, that? Man, the baby faced assassin, <laughs> and he does it with you know he does it with a smile on his face. He'll beat you up, he'll take you down, he'll land mean left hooks that closes your eye shuts, and then he'll run out with a smile on his face wearing a championship belt. And that's why we love Brandon Moreno. I love it. No, it, it was it was a fantastic. And, and as you mentioned, they were zero for eight in championship fights. But of the fights, there was fifteen fights tonight. The, was, the rounds for the championship fights, not the fights sorry, overall. Sorry, yeah, o, the o for eight yeah. in rounds. There you go. Correct. Because uh, there was fifteen fights tonight. There was fifteen Brazilian fighters on the card. Every single card had a Brazilian fighter in it. Um, Brazil went nine for fifteen, so that's a winning percentage. Obviously, they they got the you know they covered. They got more than fifty percent. Um, I think it was probably a little lighter than they expected it to be, but uh, but no, Brazil went out and and for the most part they performed fighter based and fan fan base. Obviously, Brazil goes nuts for this, and and all shout out to the fans. I love the fact that the UFC is not just a, an American thing. It's not like the NFL. Um, it's not quite like the NBA or even, you know, the, the MLB has done a, a good job of kind of getting out into the world and doing the world classic. But, you know, UFC is the truly the international sport. Every fighter from every country, from anywhere all over the world, they're hosting fights all over the world. That's what I think is it makes it one of the coolest sports in the world is the fact that 
it's so international and it encompasses so many backgrounds, religions, races, you know, fighters of all different beliefs, colors, creeds. It doesn't even matter. At the end of the day, it is truly the most inclusive sport that you could even want. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's a different champion from different parts of the world for almost every division. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, you have your Brazilian champ in, in Pereira. You have your American champs and, you know, in, in Aljamain Sterling and Jamal Hill. You know, you have your Australian champion in, you know, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. You have oh, champions yeah. around different, like you said, different parts Ella, of the world. Ella, three At one time, you had three African champs and then Ganu, uh, Kamara, and uh, who's the last one I'm missing? Um, Sonia. Adesanya, there you go. Perfect. I mean, it's all over the world. And it shows just like how perseverance works no matter where you are, right? Because how many times are we hearing, you know, somebody like Jamal Hill growing up in the streets of Chicago or somebody like, you know, Figueredo who has to be a sushi chef and a hairdresser or somebody, you know, these guys have to go through hell and back and persevere through or Nganu having to go through and run through migrant and getting kicked out of the country left for dead and now becoming a UFC champion, like, or now, or at least previously until he left UFC, yeah. but you know, these are stories of perseverance that no matter where in the world you are, happen. And I think that's what's so exciting about this sport is that we're going to see this happen everywhere. And we're going to continue to see that more because if we're 30 years deep in this sport. We're still in the infancy. Like this is still nothing. The NBA is 100 years in. NFL plus 100 plus or eight, 70 years in for the NBA, um, 100 plus for the NFL. Like you're barely in the infancy of the UFC. So we're going to start seeing and we are seeing those young and upcoming athletes that have started to train from five, six years old now start to make their debut. And it's so exciting to see. It's super exciting. I mean, you, you hit it on the head. Like you said, this is really the the UFC and and not MMA, but just the the culmination of all the skills really coming to the highest peak at the highest sport and the highest organization being able to display now for the world. I mean, you're getting free fights on the, on ESPN. Finally, you're actually getting to see these guys. They're getting promotions. They're getting world recognition in a time where this sport, you know, evolved and, and blew up so quickly. And, and we're going to move on to the rest of the fights, obviously, because that's what the fans want to hear. But it's just so cool to see how the evolution of the sport has come so far so quickly when you really think about it, it in an international level, not just an American-based level. Like you said, football has been around for 100-plus years, and, and it's only just now we're getting teams in other countries. It's like, no, no, no. You have the, the fighting because I think fighting comes from all over the world. You know, you have Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you have Sambo, you have, uh, you know, you even have uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu. It's different. You know, you, you have karate, you have all these different fighting aspects. You have boxing, you know, um, you have all these different fighting aspects that just encompass so many different uh, places and, and techniques and just different ways that each one has helped the game evolve so much more. It's so awesome to see. And, and as, you know, as I say that, you know, we're going to get into the rest of these fights, but um, I just think that's such a cool thing to see as we see these fights and these fighters evolve. Yeah. Like you said, all the disciplines from all over the world are now mixing and we're seeing the true ultimate level of what, this sport is supposed to be like when the UFC first started, it was okay. Let's put a karate guy versus a wrestler, right? Let's put a boxer versus a, a you know, a Muay Thai guy. But now it's like, okay, mix this from this. Let's get a little bit from here, a little bit from here. And now we're creating a, an MMA true ultimate fighting style. I guess you can really put it. That's just bred for at what 
can be translatable to real life. Uh, one thing I did want to run back on before we run on the rest of this card is Jamal Hill came in on a four-fight win streak. He becomes the first ever contender series uh, contender series participant to be a champion. And not only did he become a champion, but he broke records in doing it. But he becomes the first contender series champion from uh, the UFC. How? Do, I mean, what does that say about the contender series? Is it bad that it took this long? Does it show that obviously it's it's a big deal? Like what? You know how do, how do you kind of um, put that into perspective of of all the other fighters who didn't come from TV shows? Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting prospect, right? Because sometimes you won't see the guys that are championships in smaller organizations necessarily go to the contender series. You'll see guys that, you know, are more undefeated, still a little bit younger in their careers. And then you'll have guys that take the other path that go and try to reach the ultimate, you know, the highest level at your LFAs, at your Titan FCs, at your PFLs, right? So you have two different paths, but I think it does show that the contender series is a good farm for young, fresh talent you know, that'll help just maybe push that lower end level of the UFC better, right? Since they have such a big roster and you have so many guys in the roster, like you can't have obviously all superstars, but just the overall skill level of the UFC with them bringing in talent from the contender series shows that it's working and it's something that's effective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not, you know, obviously we've got plenty of get to the rest of the card real quick before we get to the rest of it. I do want to give a shout out to Paul over at MMA shark MMA shark. Did I get this right? Yes. Over here. Yes. Well, I'm working on my back and forth now. Yeah. Over here. We got this MMA shark guys. Go follow him over at MMA shark. He's going to give you all the breakdowns every week. He's going to give you the previews. He's going to give you his, his takes on the best bets, probably the best parlays. Probably going to win some money. Uh, so if you enjoy winning money, go over and visit MMA Shark. Those, those guys always put out fantastic previews, picks, everything for the cards coming up. So thank you to MMA Shark. Thank you to Dave Van Auken for letting us even get the chance to come do this show on Fight Bananas. Because um, me and John's day jobs aren't this exciting. So I promise you that. <laughs> so, uh, But no, moving down the rest of the card, obviously we had Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. Again, Brazilian versus Magny. Uh this was a little surprising to me. Uh, Gilbert Burns was able to finish Neil Magny via arm triangle. I didn't think this fight – I didn't expect this fight to go the way it did. I expected it to be a little bit more even keel. Gilbert Burns just came out and proved exactly why he's a former champ, why he's a top-ranked contender, why he is so dangerous in that Brazilian jiu-jitsu on the ground. He is unstoppable, man. I mean, it is – sick how good this man is especially against a guy who's such a good opponent in neil magny i mean this was a kind of a disappointing fight it was almost over it was over in the first round but it was almost over before you could blink yeah i mean i'm not sure if it was a disappointing fight just because i i expected this more so Did not you? that yeah i definitely expected gilbert to, to dominate him right i, mean, because... I expected him to win i guess i just didn't expect him to win in it, it looked it in my opinion, it looked almost easy for Gilbert. And and not that it shouldn't have, but I just I guess I held Neil Magny to a higher standard. And it just shows the the levels in this game. Yeah. So like you said, it it shows the levels, right? Neil Magny is an excellent 10 or you know, 10 to 6 guy, or maybe 10 to 7 guy, right? He'll keep there, he'll win a couple fights, and then he'll lose the big fight. And that's just kind of what we've seen from Neil Magny. And that's kind of why he has the most wins in this division, because he's able to fight those kind of guys that aren't the top end, but are almost there. And he's good at 
maximizing his cardio, using that jab, kind of using his length, right? But we knew, or at least what Gilbert Burns said, is that he wanted to go back to that grappling background. So when he came into this fight, you didn't expect him to maybe throw as much bombs as he did in the Hamzat fight. You expected him to try to really just close the distance, get close, and then submit him. Now, I didn't expect him to submit him that fast. I was thinking maybe in the second round, right? But I did expect him to get on the ground and dominate him essentially so i think gilbert did what he had to do he called out colby covington after the fight and he deserves that fight give gilbert burns that fight please i am all for that fight and and that really we didn't have many call outs tonight that i thought were formidable that i'm just gonna go ahead and give you guys my award right now call out of the night brought to you by fight bananas call out of the night was gonna be colby covington man colby covington versus versus uh wow i'm blanking right now Gilbert Burns, Jesus Christ. Hey, we're not always professional, you know what I mean? No, <laughs> but uh, no, no. Colby Covington versus Gilbert Burns, I love that fight. I think that is wrestler, wrestler who's at the top of his game, who is also a swing and banger, versus a man who is a, I mean, deadly. I mean, he, at this point, do you put Gilbert Burns on the same kind of level that you put Damian Maya as far as somebody who's so dangerous? Or do you put him ahead of Damian Maya? Um, two Brazilian legends, right? So it's tough, right? Because Damian Maia fought in, a, in or dominated in a time where, like we talked about, specialists were a little more dominant, right? You had your Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist. You have, you know, your wrestling specialist. Now guys are so much more well-rounded. It's harder to submit guys. And that's yeah. what Gilbert Burns is still doing, right? He's still able to make it look easy against a guy like Neil Magny. And I think that, I think overall danger you have to put Gilbert Burns way ahead of him because he also has a knockout power, right? He can clip you, and his hooks are devastating. He showed that he was able to even put Kamara Usman down. So he has the power on the feet, and he's absolutely devastating on the ground. I think danger-wise, you have to put him above Damian Maia. Uh, Moving down the list, we're going to go to the Lauren Murphy-Jessica Andrade fight. You would call that a fight? I thought this fight was gross. More like, like a I don't mean like I don't mean like oh women beat each other up. No, I don't care about that. I love watching these women get in there and, and practice everything that they've pre- you know everything they've preached and get in there and freaking dominate. But holy shit, John <laughs> Jessica Andrade just put a fucking beating to Lauren Murphy. And props to Lauren Murphy, man. The fact that she never bowed out, the fact that she did not submit, she did not tap, she did not, you know, go down on her knee and say, dude, I'm done. I was a little surprised that the ref did not step in. Jessica Andrade went in and, and, and am I mistaken? Did Jessica Andrade not look fucking jacked? She looked huge. Did you see that? Was that just me? No, she looked bigger. We also remember she she can't she took a weight down or she stepped down a little bit in weight, so she's yes. now the bigger one in the weight class. So she'll look bigger compared to these uh, women against. I, just, I thought I just thought her her. I thought her legs looked huge. Dude, I, when sick. when she was sprawling, her legs looked absolutely massive. Huge. Like, she looks physically imposing, yes. even more so than we've seen the previous champ before. Yeah, no, no. She, I mean, she. And she put on a spectacle. I mean, she put on a masterclass of striking. I mean, she was hitting Lauren with everything. And and this isn't a this isn't uh, negating anything Lauren did. She they're just they were very on very different levels tonight. Lauren obviously had a game plan. It was not working, and she did not have a fallback. She did not have a plan B. Um, but dude, she was able to take punches left and right. I mean, her face at the end of the fight. 
I mean, kudos to her. And, and you heard you heard Cormier, you heard Anik, you heard Felder always talking about the toughness of toughness of these fighters. And you, they even said it's bad when you have to rest on the laurels of being tough to talk about in fights. That means you're probably not landing many strikes. That means your game plan's probably not working. But I mean, Jessica Andrade. All the credit to her. She looks like she is in prime condition. I can easily see her taking the belt at this division or at least contending for the belt at this division with the class that she put on tonight. She must have had a fantastic camp because she looked fantastic. Lauren Murphy, all the credit to her. She looked she looked pretty beat up at the end of the day. Um, obviously, super tough lady. She, all the credit to her. She was fantastic. But that whole fight in general, I was I was a little surprised it wasn't stopped early. Yeah, I mean, just to put a little bit of perspective on this fight, during five rounds, Jamal Hill landed 232 significant strikes. In three rounds, Jessica Andrade just landed one less, 231. So she absolutely beat up Lauren Murphy. Not only just did she destroy her, like, just by hitting her with those beautiful left hooks, those overhand rights, the leg kicks when she to start off the fight were absolutely Nasty. destructive. Like she was she inside, outside. She pulled off those later in the fight too, which I thought she was, did. It yeah, maybe go ahead. No, I was just maybe say you'll say maybe she got a few checked, you know, after that first round. But you know, in that first round, she landed double digits for sure. And like you said, in the second and third round, she definitely eased off. But I think it was intentional to like slow down the movement of Lauren Murphy because we've seen her move essentially kind of at that you know, be, be able to at least move a very well. So that those leg kicks really helped with that. And to your point, maybe she can compete for a champ, but we've seen her against uh, Shevchenko before. So that's really yeah. tough. And she's in a tough spot. Yes. And, and it's hard. You know, she, she obviously competed against the championship in the weight class above where she, she, I'm, I'm partial because I'm a huge Thug Rose fan. It's hard to not be partial, even though we're supposed to be technically analysts and we're not supposed to be biased in this game. When you're also such a fan of the sport itself it's hard to not like certain people over other people you're going to give everybody the same amount of respect and credit that they deserve but you're going to have your favorites in this fight and and when when she did what she did to rose which was disrespectful disrespectful john but uh no that was that was you know shit she did what she did and then to come down a weight class and she just looks good but when you're going up against an absolute battle axe a russian spy basically shevchenko should be in a james bond movie at this point because she is an assassin and that's that's what she is you know she's gonna dance on him when she's done with it too so if she is in a tough spot it'll be interesting to see how far she goes in this division now that she's bumped down a weight class but uh i'm excited and i think i think she has a little bit more of an edge at least to compete in that top three you know what i mean yeah no i agree with you i i think um i think with what she's shown you in this fight she's shown that she's still evolving like she's still not stagnant as a fighter right her striking is still is still really there i mean such a, there's some points where it's a little bit kind of uh you can kind of predict what she's going to throw as far as her striking it's a little predictable but if you're facing someone who's not as good and that power is just more devastating like power is a great neutralizer no matter in what division. And Jessica Andrade has that power. Yes. So I think no matter what fight she goes into, she's going to be able to carry it. But like you said, when you're going up against somebody like Shevchenko, who can just move so well, it's a lot harder to land that power. So uh, shout out to Jessica Andrade. She's had a dominant performance tonight. And I think um, it should she should be deserved with uh, at least a high-ranking title or a high-ranking 
fight in this division. Um, moving on to the the Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker fight, which was the original main card leadoff that we had. Dave Van Auken had put out on Fight Bananas, um, you know, kind of give us your bold takes. And one of the ones I wanted to say was that, you know, Johnny Walker versus Paul Craig. I said, you know, Johnny Walker's been inconsistent in his game plans. I really thought Paul Craig might snap a snap a knee this this fight. Uh, boy, was I fucking wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, boy, Johnny Walker came out and just, he looked on point. He looked like he was focused. He looked as if, I mean, Paul Craig is a dangerous Scotsman, okay? They don't call him the bear Jew for nothing, okay? The man came in and handled Paul Craig, a guy that is very scary. I mean, it, He's a scary opponent for anybody who goes up against because his submission game is so good and he can stand and strike with you. But that submission game, you just never know when he's going to strike like a snake. He's like a cobra. But Johnny Walker came in and proved me wrong. I mean, he he really did take everything that I thought from Johnny Walker. I thought he was a man that had really cool striking ability, but, you know, kind of like Michael Pereira, but wasn't really – wasn't really uh, tight. Wasn't you know fashioned with his not his much game. substance with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more of just like you know, here's a lot of flash. We're just gonna see what happens. No, no, no. Today he came in with a game plan. Was able to land a quick one on Paul Craig and then finished him off with the hammer fist to the head. He ended up getting the TKO. And let's talk about the manner in which he did that. Right, Paul yeah. Craig caught the kick, and Jamal or and and Johnny Walker off one leg landed a beautiful right hand. And Paul Craig continued to hold on to the leg. And Johnny Walker just essentially hammered fisted him into oblivion while Paul Craig was holding on to that leg. Like, that yes. was a really, really pretty knockout off of one foot for Johnny Walker. Which is, which is you, you think about the balance that that takes to one, not only, okay, it, it kind of reminds me back to the uh, Joaquin Buckley kick where, where he caught the leg and then Joaquin was still able to generate enough power and spinning back kick into the face, get a clean knockout. Johnny Walker said, I'm not going to kick you. You caught my leg, but you guess what? Your hands are down. So now I'm just going to hit you in the face. And that's exactly what he did. And he was able to land one, two, and then take him down. Paul was clearly stunned. Johnny was able to land the hammer fist in the fight. Nice, clean. Some people could call that an early stoppage, kind of. I, I, I had no problem with it. I had no problem with it whatsoever. I thought Paul was clearly rocked. He went down. He was trying to defend himself, but he wasn't defending himself from the hammer fist. And there's certain guys that are able to connect on strikes from odd positions that you wouldn't expect. Kevin Holland is one of those. We've seen him hit strikes from. I mean, hell, he knocked the dude out from the back from his back, which I mean, he he knocked out Jacare Souza from his back. So when you see Johnny Walker do what he did, it kind of gave me a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of recollecting back to the to the Kevin Holland fight versus Jacare Souza, where it's just like, man, you were generating power from an odd position and you were able to solidify the win. Good for him. I thought it was uh, – it, it shocked me. Color me shocked, John. I, th I thought it was a uh, – you know, I, I got to give more credit to Johnny Walker at the end of the day. No, because honestly I was – like I texted you, I was watching the fight at yeah. my friend's house and I had Paul – Paul, or yeah Paul Craig winning this fight like I really thought he was going to be able to take him down I thought that Johnny Walker showed that he had a really suspect chin he's already taken a couple knockouts already but shout out to Johnny Walker for doing really really one smart thing in this fight he didn't fall into the worm this time he essentially just go and he went down ease himself onto the floor 
and then hit, did his worm gently, that way not blowing out his shoulder. So two claps for your Johnny Walker for not blowing out his shoulder doing the worm. This time. I turned around and told my dad. I was like, last time he did that, he threw out his shoulder. I was like, idiot. No. <laughs> but, but no, I was like, I was like, good for you, Johnny. You did it. You did it seamlessly. It was fluent. It was not, uh, you know, it was fluid. It wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, dangerous on your and your end on the celebration. You never want to get hurt on a celebration because that's the worst, you know. Uh, liken back to Martin Gramatica when he celebrated a kick and then he tore his ACL when he celebrated the kick. So, um, but no, the main card, top to bottom, we've gone through all the fights. They were fantastic. Obviously, we've got a lot to get to. This this might be a longer show than normal just because there was so much to talk about. Um, what fight do you want to get into next, John? What fight stuck out to you? If you can choose early prelims. You can choose regular prelims. I mean, this was, like I said, 15 fights. You can't really sum it all up in one hour because there were so many talking points. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the knockout that stood out obviously was the, the flying knee by Ismail Bonfam yes. over Terrence McKinney. Like, that was absolutely beautiful but you know a just a multitude of finishes on the prelims you know Mauricio Hua you know or uh Potera just getting the win on that one and the Robocop knockout was pretty impressive too for you know somebody who was stepping up on short notice coming in like that was also pretty impressive so um obviously let's lead it off with the retirement fight but uh, the entire prelims were just really good yeah, you know, uh, Mauricio Shogun, who, uh, again, just like Glover Teixeira, legend in the game. Uh, I believe he's 41, if I'm not mistaken, um, coming in versus uh, uh, Lord uh, Pateria and – or uh, E.R. Pateria. Pateria got him, man. And it, and it, I, I'm a sucker because as, as we both grew up, you know, watching – you always want to hold on to kind of the legends because the sport is so young. The legends who created the sport are still, never die. Are still in it. They never die. And you go back to Glover Teixeira. Obviously, he didn't want to – you know, this was a, a – I thought the fight for him was a better retirement because it was such a good fight overall. Um, the, the, the Mauricio Shogun who, if I, and again, I'll go down the list of the guys that he's beat. So this, this is, this loss doesn't do anything to his legacy. He beat Noguera twice, Forrest Griffin, Leota Machida, Chuck Liddell, Mark Coleman, uh, Alistair Overeem, Kevin Randleman. I mean, he's beaten the who's who in this game, former light heavyweight champion of the league, beat Liddell to get that title. So no no shame in in who was game no shame in anything he's done he is a fucking legend of the sport so let's give a little clap to him real quick but um yeah no it just it just didn't go his way that night and like like I said um you know kind of some of these retirement fights as we say they were over two both retired and I had a feeling I had a feeling during the sheriff fight I was like if he loses I bet he goes out because. You lose in a championship bout, that's the way to, you know, that's a good way to go out. Obviously, uh, Hua hadn't, you know, he's a little more past his prime because he did so much beating up in the, uh, you know, the early later or the early half of his career. Um, just wasn't, you know, different fighters, different times. Doesn't matter. Either way, all all props to him and, and props to Pateria. He was able to land a right check behind the ear, knock him, uh, you know, knock Hua down and, and was able to finish the fight. So good for him. You know, either way, uh, not a bad retirement fight. It just it is the way it is. Yeah, one of those things that, you know, you always want it to be a storybook ending for your favorite fighters that have been fighting for a long time. But like you said, it's no 
bad thing on his resume for him to lose his last fight. When it's in, when it comes down to pro wrestling, pro wrestlers will always lose their retirement fight to put the next guy over. So at the exactly. end of the day, he puts somebody else over. So I think that's something that's always that's a positive that you can take out of this. You know, maybe this guy will use this to propel his career now and move forward to become better. But um, I think it was, you know, shout out to, you know, Hua for having a great career, for leaving a great legacy for a lot of fighters to follow. And it'll be something that we won't see again. Him, you know, him winning multiple fights in one night. You won't see things like that again yeah. in this sport. So it's always nice to see or be able to give your respect for those guys that were able to do those things. Moving on to uh, uh, Gregory Rodriguez and, and Bruno Ferreira. Uh, RoboCop. Uh, so I actually saw RoboCop fight in LAF. He fought against one of uh, a good uh, one of one of my first interviews. Actually, was first a guy named Josh Fremd. Uh, if you guys don't know who Josh Fremd is, go look up Josh Fremd. Good fighter. Uh, I believe Josh Fremd is. Uh, he might have a fight coming up here not too long. But um, uh, RoboCop beat him, got a UFC contract, and really kind of took off like a jet. Uh, he's a little bit older um fighter you know he he came in and he's really been a technician since he's been in the game he hadn't shown many weaknesses but bruno ferreira came in and and i mean that left hand from the tko just set him on his ass and that was nasty i mean that was a that was a good straight left knockout punch I mean, there's nothing that RoboCop could have done to avoid it, I guess, except for a shoot for a takedown. But, they, again, like I said, there was nothing you could do to avoid it. That was a great knockout. And that, that could be up there with the contender's uh, knockout of the night. Yeah, it was, like you said, it was just so clean. And it was just right down the middle. And it hit him perfectly on the button. It wasn't anything spectacular as a wild strike coming out of nowhere. It was just clean, perfect technique. And I thought RoboCop was going to do a better job of or I just have a more competitive fight in this one. But, yeah. you know, shout out to somebody who is undefeated coming in, keeping his O and being able to beat a guy like Robocop who's ranked, you know, unofficially ranked somewhere in the 20s. So now you're coming off of uh, making your UFC debut, beating someone at high. You have a pretty good, you know, pretty good start to your UFC career. Yes, very much so. And good for Bruno Ferreira. He looks like he's going to be somebody to deal with later down the line. And, and I think it kind of put the UFC on notice because when you take down somebody like RoboCop, it, it, it's going to, it's going to, you know, raise a lot of eyebrows for people. So, uh, you know, we'll see where his career goes. I, I think he's got a lot of the skills that's going to uh, lend him to being successful, but we'll see how that goes. Um, moving on to uh, lightweight uh, Tiago Moises and uh, Costa. Good fight. Tiago Moises obviously came out, putting on for Brazil, got the submission via rear naked choke, and he really just put on a clean performance is what I thought. I thought from start to finish, there wasn't many flaws. He came in, had a game plan, knew what he was going to do, was able to get the, you know, secure the, the arm around the neck, get the rear naked choke, and finish the fight. I mean, it was it was a very clean, clean finish for me. Yeah, it was purely academic. You know, his opponent, um, me and my friends, we called him Ladybug because of the hairstyle. Thought it was a pretty accurate nickname. But, you know, he came in, a lot of energy with Bruce Buffer, loved him screaming in the face of that. So definitely was an entertaining fighter. But like you said, it was purely academic for Tiago Moises. He had a solid fight on the feet, was able to take him down, get on the ground, and essentially win the fight where he was, you know, and get the rear naked choke. He's had fights against guys like Islam Mahashev. So fighting mm -hmm. someone like this, to me, is a little bit stepped down in a yeah. competition. But it just showed that he is, you know, a pretty good level comp competitor that's maybe on the cusp of fighting for a ranking in the division. 
Um, you know, I, I do got to give it up. I, I don't know the last time we had two brothers on the same fight card. Gabriel Bonfim and Ismail Bonfim both came out. They both secured a win. Obviously, two teammates, not only teammates, but blood teammates, blood brothers, uh, versus Manir Laziz. Uh, he also got the guillotine choke in under a minute. He was able to solidify that win in under a minute, got the guillotine choke, synced it in, cinched it up, was able to collect and, and you know, got his payday for the end, not only showing up but also getting the win. Um, you know, shout out to the Bonfim brothers. Can we get, can we give a little round of applause for the Bonfim brothers real quick? Because they both came out, and obviously, obviously Gabrielle had a great win. Um, I think Ismail obviously takes that knockout because that was nasty on Terrence McKinney. A guy who – Terrence McKinney is a guy who's up and coming and, and everybody, you know, I was a little surprised to see him on the early prelims. I would have thought maybe prelims, regular prelims, but, you know, 15 rounds or 15 fights tonight. It was a long night. We've been watching fights since, what, 4.30. It's 2 o'clock where you're at. It's 1 o'clock where I'm at. Hell, it's, hell, it's almost 3 o'clock where you're at. Um, that's just, that's just the, the, the thing you have to deal with when you're, you know, when you're doing this game and, you, and you're watching these fights and they get over it. It's a seven, it's a hell, it's a seven to eight to nine hour process, but give it up for the bomb fiend brothers. What'd you, what'd you think from both of them? And, and especially Gabrielle? Yeah. Both performers, I, like, like you said, both of them put on great performances, able to get the finish for, for Gabrielle being able to get the win in spectacular fashion. Like you said, the, just being able to get the mounted guillotine so quickly. Yes. That was very impressive. And I think for his younger brother, you know, Ismael, you're going up a guy who's a little more established in Terrence McKinney and somebody who has the fastest knockout in the lightweight division, right? So you're coming up against a guy who has established striking and you establish your striking much better and you make Terrence fight off his back leg, make him shoot for shots, and then you make him eat a brutal knee. I think of the two brothers, he had the more spectacular finish, but I think out of the two of them, Gabrielle will have the better career. Kind of finishing up the, the end of the early prelims. I know everybody was here for the meat of the card, but obviously because we're such fight fans, we're going to go through everything. Um, uh, starting with the, the main event of the prelims, it was Jolton Almeida versus uh, Shamil Abdukamanov. Um, uh, Jamil Almeida got the TKO for the heavyweight division. Um, he moves into the top 15. In the heavyweight division, you know, the heavyweight division, obviously, kind of historically, the the least amount of depth. Obviously, I think a lot of people think featherweight, lightweight, you know, flyweight, whatever, or, you know, flyweight, lightweight, uh, maybe even welterweight. But, uh, you know, he moves into the top 15. What do you think is next for uh, Jalton Almeida? And, and, you know, what was your, you know, synopsis of his, you know, able to, to really um, subdue Shamil and, and get that dub? I think that just showed like the skill gap, right? Because I mean, I was looking at the numbers. His opponent landed one strike. I'm like, so he had a pretty dominant performance tonight. And like you said, he's on the cusp of fighting um, for a ranking in that division. So just looking at some of the names down there, I mean, you know, you got a ghost of Sakai, you know, who's coming off of three losses. You know, you have somebody like maybe Chris Dawkins, who was recently fighting for a ranking. Now that he's lost a couple fights, you can have him come down. So I think maybe those are one of the couple fights he set it up for. Uh, but really impressive fight. I mean, pretty pretty flawless when it comes down to it. And, you know, he ended up getting a TKO win. Uh, Luan uh, Lacerada versus Cody Stamen. Cody Stamen came out, got the decision. Great fight between those two. It was just Cody Stamen came in, did what he had to do, finished the job. That That's what you're expecting. Obviously, Ismail Bonfim uh, versus Terrence McKinney. Again, not saying it is. 
could be knockout of the night. I don't know. Um, but uh, flying knee TKO up against the cage, it was gross. I, I've used gross twice tonight versus Jessica Andrade and Lauren Murphy and then Ismail Bonfam and, and uh, Bonfim and Terrence McKinney. The sound that that knee made against McKinney's face was – it made me – it was gross, John. I, I don't know what – I'm sure you saw it not only live, but I'm sure you, then you were on Twitter like we are during these fights, and you just I, – I probably watched that at least 30 times, and just that sound, that – oh, it was nasty. Yeah, I mean – it was one of those things, just to kind of set the table for you, I had put the laptop on the edge of uh, the door where I was sitting in the bathroom and I was actually taking a shit. So luckily, hey, I, was- I was too! What the hell? Wow. So luckily, we were both taking a shit when this flying knee happened. So if we if we collectively shit ourselves during this flying knee... So it ended up working out, but like you, you know, like we were saying, this was it was just such a crazy knockout because it wasn't even like the knee to the head; it was like to the side of the neck. So you know, when you talk about a knockout occurring, what it is is obviously the kinetic energy sending electric shock waves through the nervous system and shutting down the body, right? So that energy just driving through his knee straight to the nervous system of Terrence McKinney put him out cold, and I was screaming on the toilet like I was having diarrhea, man. It was really. Really, one of those knockouts that, like I said, maybe could be knockout of the night, but end scene for that part. Well, thank you to Dr. Uh, Ram Lakan for that breakdown and synopsis of how uh, brain activity and also anal activity apparently works. So I appreciate that. Thank you for that one. <laughs> Shout out Claudio Gadelia. Uh, yeah, no, this is uh, this is by far the greatest show we've ever done. I'm just gonna say that right now. All you fans, right now, you're getting fucking grade A material right here. Blake Steeners, John Ramlakan, who else do you want calling post-fight calls? It's us. We're giving you the greatest thing here in UFC history. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, Worley Alves and, and, and Nicholas Dalby. Uh, I, I like Dalby in this. Obviously, first off, prime grade A back tattoo on, on Dalby. Um, was able to land way more strikes, get the decision. Um, but no, Dalby, I thought, looked nice. I don't know if you have any comments on, on that fight. But uh, uh, no, that, the thing that stuck out to me was not only the uh, the striking of Dalby was able to secure the win, but also the back tattoos looking prime. Yeah, um, like you said, it was, you know, when it comes down to the it being a split decision, I, I do think um, that Dalby won the fight. Numbers made it evident. Damage looked pretty evident, in my opinion. And also the octagon control. I feel like he was able to have a better presence in there as well. So pretty obvious decision. Not sure why it was a split, but MMA judging. Welcome to it. Hey. If you're not, if you if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know, sucker. Yeah, no, MMA judging, it is what it is. And it's you know we can we can we can scream till we're you know red in the eyes and, and bloodshot in the face uh, about the judging, but again, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, that'll probably be uh, talked about every single year. So it's kind of like calling flags in football or fouls in basketball. It's just, it is what it is. So um, uh, Uzziah Nunez versus uh, uh, Zara Santos decision. Uh, Nunez looked great. She was a smaller fighter in this fight, but she came out, put on a very good, dis- uh, a very good fight. I thought she, she was able to, to create spaces where she was able to land strikes um, and Santos being the taller fighter, a much taller fighter by multiple inches. Um, she just was able to create, um, space in where she was fighting, but close the gap and able to get in close, uh, close to Santos to get that decision win. Yeah. Like you said, just 
good good performance by Nunez to be able to to mix up the shots, not only you know to the head, to the body, to the legs, just all three levels being able to do that. Um, well rounded performance for her. I thought it was a good fight. Yeah. Um, and then again, uh, the, the, the first fight of the night before we wrap this bad boy up, uh, uh, Samen Oliveira versus Daniel Marcos. Uh, Marcos, another Mexican coming in, walking into the heart of Brazil and, and getting away with the TKO. What did you see in that fight, John? Yeah, just, um, I mean, it was an exciting way to kick off the night. I was kind of excited overall. I felt like tonight was going to be one of those nights where you can, where you're going to get the tone set pretty early. And this really did set the tone early just to kind of put it in a big picture perspective. I mean, we had 10 knock 10 finishes on the card and then two fights that weren't finished. Two of the fights that weren't finishes, you know, the, you know, the main event and the fight between Jessica and Draj, those fights could have been finishes with a white towel being thrown and, you know, the corners retiring them. So we got 12, spectacular fights and then even a couple that were even though not maybe the top tier fights this card was if you were to grade it like sorry for jumping the gun on this i would grade it probably like a 9.2 like this was a very very good card yeah no like you said i I think we had uh 10 of the 15 fights ended in finishes whether it was sub or ko um and John, John Levere, Mr. Mr. Rating Guru, is rating a 9.2. I would definitely say UFC 283 in Rio de Janeiro was a spectacular success. I, I, you know, I don't know how many times they've been to Rio at this point. I tried to look it up the other day. I tried to look at them. You know, it's, it's some of these – sometimes Google's just a bitch. You know, it doesn't always want to give you the proper answers. But, um, no, I thought this trip to Rio and this being the first pay-per-view of the year lent to so many great possibilities and ultimately great outcomes at the end of the day. So, John, we're going to roll into our awards for the evening. Um, Starting off, we're going to go submission of the night. Usually I start off with KO. I'm going submission because I know there's a couple good ones in here. So um, submission of the night for you, my man. What is your ultimate uh, award? Um, I'm going to have to go with – Gabrielle Bonfim, you know what I mean? I think that mounted guillotine, getting that one just so fast, so early, coming off of his brother, having a knockout too. I just think the moment of it overall was excellent for him. Shout out to him for having a great UFC debut and getting a quick mounted guillotine to set everybody in notice. I would love to disagree with you, but at the end of the day, obviously you're uh, pretty fucking spot on, like always. So, uh, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead with you as well. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I might be saying that wrong. It might be Gabriel Bonfim, Gabriel Bonfim. I'm not sure. Either way, at the end of the day, uh, this this being in the fight game really gets you good at learning other names and tricky pronunciations so uh but i'm i'm gonna go uh gabrielle Monfim as well getting the guillotine under the moment knowing his brother just came off a wicked tko he did it in under a minute two brothers that went out and did two spectacular things i'm gonna go ahead and give mine as well um honorable mention i'm gonna give to um uh tiago moises or i'm sorry i'm sorry uh not no wrong uh, I'm going to give it to Gilbert Burns, actually, just because I, I wasn't expecting him to handle Neil Magley quite so quickly with that arm triangle um, to get the tap. So uh, he's going to get my honorable mention, but obviously award goes to Gabrielle. Um, going ahead to knockout or KO of the night, what do you got for me, John? I'm going to I'm going to go with the flying knee, man. I think that was uh, – it's those shocking knockouts 
that are the most exciting and the ones that stick out in your memory. And Johnny Walker had a really, you know, unique knockout. But the one that literally had me screaming on the toilet was the flying knee. So I, I'm going to give the flying knee, uh, the other Bonfim brother, the other award uh, sticking for the Bonfim brothers tonight. Um, that flying knee was absolutely spectacular. He gets my KO of the award. That's John Ramakan giving you the crazy screaming toilet knockout of the night. It's going to is going to Ismail Bonfim with the flying knee. And again, I fucking hate you, John, because I want to disagree with you. But that was just the the nastiest knockout of the night. Obviously, like you said, Johnny Walker's was fantastic. Um, really, not a whole lot of other ones that were so flush like that. Um, Johnny Walker's was clean. It was surprising, but but really. Uh, Bon Fiends was just, it was dirty. It was nasty. It was the, the sound of it itself could have made a grown man shite himself. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to agree with you again. And then at the end of the night, we're going to go with fight of the night again, presented by MMA shark. I'm getting this right this time. Bam. MMA shark up in the corner. Go check out Paul. The dude's fantastic. Giving you all the fights, giving you all the breakdowns, giving you all the previews and giving you great betting advice. If you ever guys want to win some money, Go listen. Go subscribe. Thank you to Dave Van Auken. Thank you to Fight Bananas. But yes, Fight of the Night presented by Fight Bananas and MMA Shark. What do you got for me? You know, this is a tough one because so many of them were finishes, right? So it really only leaves you with a couple options. So I think, I mean, even though it is kind of the easy option, I think the main event was the Fight of the Night because you had a couple different layers of it, right? You have Glover Teixeira coming back to Brazil, which potentially, you know, may have been and which is his last now retirement fight. You have somebody in Jamal Hill who wasn't expected to have this shot even a month and a half ago. Like he wasn't even in the picture to have a title shot. And he comes in and he gets a win. And even throughout the fight, you expected Glover to be in this fight. Like he's one takedown away, one back take away from winning the fight. But when he was just having the mount on Jamal Hill, Jamal was able to reverse position. And like we spoke about, get back up. And I think the storyline of the fight itself was really, really interesting. Um, shout out to Jamal Hill for getting it done. But I think the fight of the night has to go to the main event. Damn it, John, you son of a bitch. I, we're three for three tonight, and I hate that because I'd love to give a different perspective. But like you said, it really came to and, – and that's the cool thing about this fight is, is it, one, it was all in pay-per-view. Fantastic. Also, first pay-per-view of the, of the year. Fantastic. And we actually got the fight of the night being the ultimate main card fight, the main event. Like, that doesn't always get to happen uh, the way we would like it to happen. So, no, I've also got to go Glover to share Jamal Hill. Fantastic fight of the night. Uh, even at the end of it, until about a minute and 20 seconds left, you still thought Glover was in it. Even though Jamal had landed a record amount of strikes, significant strikes, you really just thought, hey, and maybe that's the mysticism of Glover Teixeira. Maybe that's the the legend of Glover Teixeira. You never think he's out of that fight. So I'm going to go ahead and go with you. I have to agree, you goddamn son of a bitch. Uh, it's going to be Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. Do you have a runner-up? Because I know I do. Um, but do you have a runner-up before I get mine? I loved watching Lauren Murphy get her ass beat by <laughs> Like... <laughs> Like we were talking, like I think I was texting you, like Jessica Andrade was beating Lauren Murphy up, like she owed her money, like she was yeah. talking shit, like, like she was she, a redheaded stepchild. 
there you have it. We'll finish with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I even though it was a very lopsided, one-sided fight, um, you know, the only other one that I say would compete with that would be the the Figueroa Moreno fight, only because it was the it was the quadrilogy, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, and it it seemed to be like the 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 tension in the fight was just so potent. You could cut it with a knife. It was fantastic. Obviously, Moreno, and I thought that fight could have kept going. Obviously, if it hadn't have been for the doctor stoppage, unfortunately, Figueroa could not seem to open that eye at the end of the day. Um, but no, I, I think that that could have been the runner up for that one. But no, Jessica Andrade just put on such a performance, and the fact that she didn't get the finish, but it, they went all three rounds and they let it go all three rounds. No, I think that's a, a very formidable fight of the night. So, um, John, kind of wrapping it up here. Do you have any uh, final words uh, for the uh, for the listeners, for the fans, for for every? Everybody who's commented in the comment section, thank you guys so much for watching the, the post-fight show. I'm sorry it's so late for anybody on the East Coast. John's obviously not going to get a lot of sleep tonight, probably, because he's going to get up and just be looking handsome as ever for tomorrow. So, um, But no, do you got any final words for the fans? Yeah, if you're on the, on the podcast feed, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. If you're on yes. YouTube, make sure you guys like the video. Make sure you guys subscribe. Follow me and your boy on Instagram or on Twitter. I'm here on Instagram, Jonathan underscore MMA. He's over there at gingerpants29. Make sure you guys follow us. Of course, thank you to Dave Van Auken and Fight Bananas for having us on. Shout out to MMA Shark for sponsoring the video as well. Um, but of course, you know, overall for tonight, what a wonderful night of UFC fights. I think this pay-per-view really set the tone for the entire year. We have some excellent pay-per-views coming up. We have some barn burners. We have John Jones returning. We have just the super fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Islam Mahashev. We have Usman versus Leon Edwards. We have so many good fights. We have Dustin Poirier versus Chandler coming up. No, or no, um, that's not announced yet. I don't think that's announced yet. But we have We're Raphael Fazee versus Justin Gaethje announced yes. for London, which is going to be a banger. So many good fights coming up, man. I'm so excited. It's about to 3, 3 a.m. and I'm still full of energy. I'm still <laughs> down for more fights. Let's freaking go. John's been chugging coffee and shitting all night, so that's been fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> But no, for, for me, for John Ramakan, I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And one final caveat to that, uh, Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko have both been added to that March 4th UFC 285 card. Officially. If you hadn't, John, you look like you didn't know that. I did not. I was driving home. Blake dropping fucking bombs, dropping knowledge out here, baby. Uh, no, Valentina Shevchenko. So you're going to get Fazee. You're going to get Gaethje. You're going to get John Jones. You're going to get Cyril Gunn. You're going to get Manda Nunez. You're going to get Shevchenko. Four four possible title fights in one – or three three or four possible title fights in one night. That's going to be freaking awesome. So obviously that's going to be down the road. We're going to be with you every step of the way. Shout out to Dave Van Auken. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to Fight Banana. Shout out to MMA Shark over here, not over here. Um, but no, go follow us on our respective Twitters. This is my Instagram right here. That is John's Twitter, I believe. Or is that your – that's your Instagram. Okay, these are both our Instagrams. Um, from our Instagrams, you can follow us on Twitter. Thank you, guys, and peace out. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.